So there's something I've learned that's an important lesson that I feel other people could benefit from. Recently, I had a relationship end. This seems to be a common trend for me. It's like that Michael uh, Jordan quote, you know, I've missed more shots than you've ever taken. So it seems like it happens to me a lot, but it's, it's only a very small percentage of the relationships I have. But what was interesting, I noticed, was it was a bit of a trend. If someone loves you, and by loves, you know what I mean, if, if someone wants to serve you, if someone wants to worship you and give something back to you in a relationship, then you have to, not let them, but you have to make it simple for them. There needs to be a previously defined list of things they can do to make you happy. That, that are accessible to them, that are realistic to them. There has to be a variety of things on that list. So, for example, you need to give them avenues which are realistic to them, which are reasonable to them, and which will make you happy. Right? You will have a consistent response if they do these things. That is happiness. Now, first I'll talk about the reason why you have to do this. Because if you don't, you are creating a situation that is intentionally one-sided and not in a fun, sexy way. What happens is you'll be giving things to them, but they won't be able to give anything back to you. This is a mistake that I've made a lot in the past. And I'm hoping that you guys will listen to this and maybe avoid making that same mistake in the future for yourselves. But you have to, you have to give them some way to give back to you that is meaningful and significant to you, but also something that you can live without if necessary. So the way that you give them to give back to you can't be, you will be my sole source of income and you'll pay all my rent and my living expenses because you can't live without that, right? And it also shouldn't be something so specific and then variations on that same specific thing. Like it shouldn't be send me nudes with red lingerie, send me nudes with blue lingerie, send me nudes with green lingerie. Mm. Lingerie. That's a good idea. It shouldn't be something so hyper-specific that there's no variation in it. Right? It needs to be a variety of things. So the ideal list would look something like send me a text with a photograph of your face or body saying something nice about me. Right? That would be something that they can do to make you happy. Or make me a cup of coffee or offer See, the thing is you have to make it something they can actually control. This is a mistake I've made in the past too. Is they have to actually be able to control the thing. So I would say something like, make me a cup of coffee. And then they would offer to make me a cup of coffee and I would reject it. And it's like, well, from their perspective, they've done everything they can do to make me happy in that instant. But I've said no. And then later on, I'm like, why am I so unhappy and unfulfilled? Because they didn't make me a cup of coffee. And they quite cleverly point out that I said no. It's got to register to you as a person. So them asking to make you a cup of coffee is what matters. Even if you say no or you say yes, it has to be something that they can control and that you will recognize for what it is, which is an offer of service or whatever other thing that's meaningful to you. But here's what you want to do with this information. You want to come up with a list of things that make you happy 
And then you want to make this list super obvious to this other person so that at all times, no matter where they are or what they're doing, there's a couple of things, at least two or three, that they can do to make you happy. One of the cruelest things you can ever do to someone in a relationship is allow the relationship to be totally one-sided. You give, you give, you give, you give, you give them no chance to give back. And part of that, there's lots of different motivations for that. Part of it is some guys have difficulty receiving things. That's just something that's never happened to them. So they don't know how to do it, which is where the three minute game is really useful because it practices balancing out those things and practices receiving as well as giving. A lot of dominance, super overdeveloped in giving, super overdeveloped in taking, um, you know, itty bitty living space, um, super not developed in receiving. So that's just as important to, to be balanced in that way. But if you don't give your submissive or partner who does actually care about you, from my own personal experience, a way to give something back to you that is reasonable, realistic, and meaningful to you, you will set the relationship on a very, very short path to total destruction. Because if they're a good person, they'll genuinely care about you. And when you do nice things that make them feel good, they'll want to do nice things that make you feel good back. And if you don't let them, then they'll realize that this relationship has no future. And that's usually enough of a, a realization for most women, not all, but most women, to just blow the whole thing up completely. Because if it's got no future, why not end it now, right? Why not save yourself the pain and suffering and the wasted time and just move on? The, the issue around accessibility is that they have to have options open to them at all times. And you don't, you're not contractually obliged or obligated to accept every offer of service or love or support, but you need to recognize that it does happen and reward them just for offering that. Now, the corollary to this, of course, is that they have to actually be willing to follow through on it. They should never make an offer of something that they don't intend to follow through on. So, for example, a woman should never offer a guy a blowjob in that moment if she's not intending to follow through on it. Because if the guy takes her up on that, and then she's like, oh, whoops, I suddenly mysteriously changed my mind, um, you're reinforcing bad behaviors. It's like the guy realizes that he can't trust you and you realize that you're just lying, basically. The ideal is something that I'm probably going to elaborate on in a further podcast, but it's basically the gold star chart, right? So on the gold star chart is a bunch of things. If you're using it to train that person, you'll have a bunch of things that they're doing for themselves. And if you're doing it to condition that person to be more of a better partner to you, you'll have a bunch of stuff that they can do to please you. Every time they do something on that gold star chart, they get a gold star. It's the behavior that matters. And that gives them a simple, visual, accessible list with measurable progress and results. Never. Never shit on simple things, right? Too many people want to drop a 55-page plan for revitalizing their relationship, but they don't need that. Start with simple tools first. Get an A4 page of bright colored paper, draw some columns in it, get some stars from a stationery shop, write a couple of things up, and at the end of each row should be the big reward that they're working towards, something of significance. So it's not as though you don't reward them as you're going along, but 
say your girl's really into classic cinema, so you've booked something. It's basically one of the things she's working towards is, you know, she has to give you 10 blowjobs, right? And once she's given you 10 blowjobs, you will take her out to this amazing French art house place just off the river that you know, that, that doesn't show anything in English or in color, and spend the whole evening with her curled up into your shoulder watching fancy European art house flicks and talking about how strange they are. Right? That's the reward. So you agree with the, her that's the reward, you put that at the end, and then when she does 10 of the blowjobs, you give her the reward, right? It's like a contract in a way, a much simpler, visual, sexier contract. But the main thrust of today is that you must, you must give them realistic ways they can give back to you because if you don't, you will only end up with one kind of person. You will drive actively, you will actively drive away people that wanna give something back to you. And you will only end up with people that are totally, totally selfish, which is not the recipe for happiness in a relationship. But it is the recipe for happiness if you're a quote unquote nice guy, which is not uh, a demeaning term. It's like a, it's a mental, it's a specific mental illness. Read uh, Robert Glover's book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, and basically examine his whole body of work for more of an, uh, an exploration of that. And if you want to message me about that, just send me an email. But um, basically, you must give them a way to give back to you because if you don't, you will only end up with people. You can only end up with partners that are very, very selfish. And then you will be somewhat fulfilled in being able to do all of this stuff for them, but you also won't be challenged because you have to accept things back. But that's part of being in a healthy relationship. Take it from me. So once you give someone a way to give back, and clear goals to work towards and measurable progress, you will expect to see them giving back to you more. Now, part of the contract that you're making with them is when they do these things for you, that you will respond in a particular way. So you'll be proud of them, right? Why wouldn't you be proud of them? They just did something to make you happy or something to improve themselves. But depending on what you're actually using your gold star chart for, um, say there's 10 things on a star chart, 10 lines, and four of them are them improving themselves, and six of them are specifically things they do to please you, like make me a cup of chai, right? Or bring my washing in, or, you know, clean my house, stuff like that. Things to please me. Sexual things are perfectly fine too, you know? Anal, things in bed, fun stuff. Come up with specific behaviors that you want more of and reward and reinforce those behaviors, but you must the single, and I've thought this for years, the single cruelest thing that you could ever do to somebody who is in a relationship with you, who wants to serve you, and who loves you, and wants to make you happy, is not give them any way of giving back. <clears throat> it just totally devalues them as a person. What you're saying to them, in a sense, is that they have nothing. There's nothing from them that you either want or need. Now, you might be maintaining a lot of hand in the relationship, which means that there's nothing that you actually need from them, but there's gotta be things that you want from them. Even if it's their tears or their ass or their, their ability to make you look good in social situations or fun dates, you know? 
There's got to be something that you want from them. So let them give that to you. If you don't, it's the single, it's the single cruelest thing that I've found that you can do to a submissive is when they're in a relationship with you and they love you and they want to give something back is to not give them anything they can do that's realistic. You know, it's, it's like when I say realistic, I mean, you know, if the only way they have of giving things back to you is to organize a three-day vacation date, it's unrealistic to expect that to happen very often. You need to give them smaller, simpler, more human things they can do to please you. Make you a cup of coffee, offer you a blowjob, you know, say something flattering sexually about you to their friends in company, right? So you're out together at a party and she says something flattering about you to her friends that makes you seem like a good person or makes you look good. That's a behavior you can reinforce. I've done that in the past because it's something I enjoy. Why wouldn't I enjoy being talked about in a positive way? It's awesome, right? And she gets a thrill out of it knowing that she's doing it for me. But that's the thing. You have to, you must, you absolutely must give them realistic ways to give back to you and you must accept them at least some of the time. What will happen if you don't accept their offerings is that those behaviors will eventually stop happening. Say, for example, and this is an example from my own life, from a friend of mine, um, he was really, really nervous about girls choking on his dick, right? Um, he had a girl almost choke on his dick once and he's like really skittish about it. So every time this girl that he was with offered him a blowjob, he said no. Now, women are really, really intelligent about some things and really fucking dumb about other things. But they learn pretty quickly when they're taught the right way. And so she loved this guy. She loved his dick. But all he had to do to get her to never offer him a blowjob ever again was say no to her like 10 times continuously, right? So she'd offer, he'd say no. She'd offer, he'd say no. She'd offer, he'd say no. And after a while, that pattern of behavior starts to die off because she just kind of knows what the answer will be. If the answer is never yes, if the answer is always no, then why bother offering it again? And depending on the determination and the, the variable frequency of reward systems that you use, you can keep this pattern of dysfunctional, dystopian behavior going for months, but you don't want to, right? You want to reinforce the things that you want more of. And as a dominant, this is a huge problem because you have to accept that you do actually like these things. And that wanting these things introduces an element of you being vulnerable to that person, or at least to people in general in that way. And you have to be okay with those things before you can accept it, before you can let them give you things, no matter how small they are. I know guys who have a laundry list of women that want to make them coffee at munches, right? They're out of respect, whatever, desire, trying to get that guy's attention. But they won't let anyone make them coffee. No one. Ever. They're not like picking the one special girl that really means something and using that to communicate to them how special they are. They just don't let anyone make them coffee. So you know what? People just notice this and they stop offering. You've got to let people give things back to you. And you also have to be prepared when they don't. Sometimes people don't feel like it. Sometimes they're not in the mood. 
the love language and compatibilities come in here a lot as well. Like, you know, for me, touch is a huge thing, right? If someone isn't touching me, it's like they don't care about me at all. If someone isn't touching me regularly, it's like we have nothing. And I can respond negatively to that, and I have in the past. But then someone is constantly telling me how much they love me. And I don't even hear it because words of praise don't matter to me at all. You know, I barely recognize them. It's incompatibilities in love languages. So that's another thing you can do is figure out what yours are and then let them do them for you. Say, this is what matters to me. I like it when you touch me and do acts of service. So here's five things you can do to touch me anywhere, any place, anytime. Some of them more sexual than others. And here's five things you can do to, act, to, to do an act of service for me. I'm going to put this up on the wall, and if you're ever in doubt as to you know, how to make me happy, boom, those things. You've got to set your submissive up to win. You've got to provide them with the prerequisites to allow them to succeed because the cruelest thing you can do to a submissive who loves you and who wants to succeed and who wants to make you happy and take it from me, I've suffered a lot more from this than many people should. You have to give them a way to give back. You have to make that realistic and reasonable. And you have to make it something that they can do. You know, like, if the only thing that matters to you in your relationship is double anal, then, you know, that's not something they can control because they, you've only got one cock and they'd have to find... It's, it's too, much, too much work, right? It's... It's got to be reasonable. It's got to be realistic. And it has to be meaningful to you, not necessarily to them. The relationship is about you, the dominant, the center of their world. That's what the relationship's about. It's about them doing things to make you happy and the two of you building something meaningful together, building something that matters together. And it has to matter to both of you, not just to her. Because if it doesn't matter to you, then why bother, right? What's the point of having a relationship? Isn't the point of having a relationship to feel things, to do things together? Isn't the point of having a relationship so that you can have more, not so that you can just have them there waiting for you constantly, trying hard to please you, and then eventually getting tired of not being able to because you haven't given them a realistic way to do it? that's meaningful and significant to you and then leaving. I mean, I've lost some truly amazing women in my life, some truly one-of-a-kind women, recently and years ago, because I didn't have anything set up for them to be able to give back to me. And they tried, and they tried, and they tried, and they tried. They were smart, they were persistent, they were intelligent, they were focused and motivated to try to give something back, and I just didn't give them the opportunity to. And of course, they left. And they were probably right to in that moment. Because they weren't getting any satisfaction about being able to give anything back. And if you're a real submissive, if you're a real slave, that does matter to you. Being able to give something to your dominant, being able to contribute meaningfully to the relationship. Understand that you're not, un well, everyone's unique, but you know, there's very few things that a woman does or a man does that, can, that can't be replaced or replicated sufficiently by somebody else. But 
It's the relationship that you build with that person uniquely, that combination of skills and experiences that they have and only they have that is meaningful. So don't expect that man to build his whole life around you and for that to be fulfilling to you as a submissive. It's totally one-sided, completely dysfunctional, and it will lead to disaster. But a relationship that's a bit more like 70% you building your life as a submissive around your dominant and then the two of you building something together, that's much more meaningful and much more healthy. But yes, in case it's not clear to anyone yet, you must give them ways to meaningfully contribute to your life that you want but don't need, right? Fun things, optional things, enjoyable things, but you can't need them. Because as soon as you need them, that does make you excessively vulnerable. As soon as you need that particular thing that only that person can do, as soon as you start to think that only that person is the only person can make you happy, that is a, that's a very slippery road to fall down. Everyone can make somebody happy to some degree. It's about compatibility. It's about finding the things that you have to give. And you do, as a submissive, you have so much to offer. And as a dominant, never underestimate how much you have to offer too. I know everyone talks about the gift of submission, which is just the most bullshitly fucktarded way of thinking about it. Because if submission's a gift, then, well, I mean, that just falls down logically on about a dozen different levels. This idea that, you know, I can give you a gift and then I can take that gift back anytime I like with no consequences. And in fact, only positive things will happen to me for withdrawing anything that I offer in a relationship is just hilarious to me. Hilariously tragic. Dominance is a gift because dominance requires work. It requires skill. It requires mastery of at least some of the elements of yourself. But dominance isn't a gift in the sense that you can't take it back either. Dominance is something that you do, it's something that you are. Submission is something that you do and it's something that you are. Neither of those things are gifts in the functional sense. So, you have to give them as a dominant. You must, you must, must. And this is the other important thing is these things have to actually be meaningful to you. If they're just token pieces of shit that you don't give a fuck about. Like, someone writing me a love letter, yeah, I'm on the fence about that, you know? Like, I could take it or leave it. But someone, well, it would depend on how I interpret it. If I interpreted it as words of praise, not so much. If I interpreted it as, as writing it as an act of service, yes, I'd be totally into that. But uh, as to be meaningful to you, and the prerequisite for that is that you as a dominant, as a man, as a person, have to be okay with actually receiving that thing. So it doesn't have to be the most controversial sexual thing in the world. Everyone's got something. Something small that someone else can do for you that is so intimate and so personal that you might not have even told anybody that it exists. You know, like, man, I fucking love it when people make me a cup of chai, right? But I've dated girls for months at a time and they haven't known that they could have done that at any time. Well, you know, some of them did. But I never told them how meaningful it was to me. I never told them that when they did that, it meant so much to me. And so they never got the emotional payoff of being able to do that for me. 
because for them it was just making me a cup of chai. And for me, it was this whole thing. Not that I get really wanky about my chai. I'm not fancy about this stuff. It's just, it's the meanings that people make from this stuff. And the meaning that a submissive is going to make from someone that never lets them meaningfully contribute to their life is this relationship has no future. So fuck it, I'm out. And it's debatable in those situations whether that's the right decision or not. Honestly, I think the best thing for a submissive to do would be to sit down with their dominant and talk about this and talk about these emotions and these feelings as though they're an adult. But the prerequisite to all of this is that the dominant must be able to receive, which means, and the prerequisite to that, is that they have to be able to acknowledge they like and enjoy these things and want them without needing them to be happy. That's a tough bar. That's a high bar for a lot of guys, you know. But you can get there. Everyone can. Everyone can get there. So the first thing is, as a dominant, recognizing that it's okay to have things you want, recognizing that it's okay to tell those things to people. And I know this sounds fucktardedly simple, but you'd be amazed at how many people skip over this important shit in favor of talking about the knot of the week or yet another BDSM 101 class on communication. This is the important stuff. As a dominant, you have to be able to express the things that you like. You can feel a bit of shame or a bit of guilt about it, at the start, but the idea is to get that down to the point where you're unapologetic about the things that you enjoy. You can also respect and understand that not everyone is super into that same thing. Like I'm really into hypnosis as a fetish, as well as, as a training tool. I get that not everyone is into that, right? Um, it takes us some time and some practice to recognize that someone can be interested by that, but not as into it as much as you are, right? You have to be able to express these things or you will never get them. And you will be passive aggressive and then unhappy forever because you'll be trapped in this loop of, of feeling the sense of toxic shame. If you haven't read Robert Glover's book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, read it. Seriously, it's required reading for all men. Not even if you need it, but it's more like an inoculation, like a vaccine. It, it allows you to recognize these patterns of totally self-destructive behavior in a relationship and just stomp on their fucking throat until they bleed out before they become a huge problem. So read the book and read the follow-up. I think it's Dating Essentials for Men. Also excellent. That man should be sainted, right? Canonized. For all the good work he's done. But you have to be aware enough within yourself to recognize these things and you have to be able to articulate them to other people. Not all the time. You don't have to open every conversation with, I'm really, really into double anal. It's, you have to be able to articulate these things to people at all, right? Even if it requires certain circumstances, like you have to trust them or you have to be alone with them, that's okay. Work on broadening those circumstances out till they're reasonable, right? Till you can have these conversations easily. There is a great sex toy store. I'm not sure that I agree with their politics, but there's a great sex toy store in Melbourne called Passion Fruits. And I'm on their mailing list, and it's brilliant. Their motto is just so inspirational. And I'm paraphrasing from memory, but it's, it's like, we will know we have done our job when everyone can talk confidently about what they want in bed. And I'm like, oh, it's so simple, and it's so powerful. And it's something that people desperately, desperately need. Because I see a lot of people saying, women, tell me what you want in bed. And women are like, I have no fucking idea, because... 
Three quarters of my sexual fantasies revolve entirely around pleasing my partner, so I don't know what I want until he does. And the guy's like, I feel so much shame about wanting one of the things that I want. I can't even articulate them to myself inside my own head, let alone out loud to myself, let alone to another person. That's the roadblock. That's what you have to fucking destroy, right? You must work on yourself. Here's the process for that. Write down the things that you want as a guy. Just write them down. Don't show anyone. You don't have to show anybody. Just write them down. Become more comfortable with them. Build a rationalization framework around these things. It's, you're not hurting anybody. You'd never, do, you'd never do any of these things to someone that wasn't consenting, right? You know that. So you know that if they're consenting to it, then they're into it, even if it's not to the same degree that you are, right? You're not hurting anyone by thinking these thoughts, by wanting these things. If some of them are... I, I really hesitate to say the word bad here. If some of them are truly monstrous, right? Like, you know, my desire is to rape a dozen people, like really rape them and then murder them and drink their blood. Like, write that down, right? But don't act on that necessarily. Igor Ledachowski, Ledachowski, I've never heard his last name pronounced out loud before, has this thing that is so empowering, right? What you resist persists. What you accept you gain the power to change within yourself, right? You don't have to do those things, but write them down. If those are the things that you want, if those are the fantasies that you have, if those are the things you want to ask your partners for, write them down. Don't judge yourself, right? Because you know that you'd never do these things unless everyone involved was into them. And you haven't committed a crime by having a thought or feeling something in your body. Some of those things should never be done, but you can talk about them. You can accept that part of yourself that wants them and you can figure out, and this is the part that comes from acceptance, right? Because once you accept it, then the next step that you begin immediately is what is it trying to do for you, right? Say you have a fantasy as a woman of raping a man, right? You fight this, you, you resist this, but it persists. Accept that it exists, then figure out what it's trying to do for you, right? And it's, it's basically, maybe in this example, it's, it's saying that you don't feel safe enough in yourself physically, that you need to feel like you're in control of sex in order for it to happen, right? So what's the solution to that problem? Become more comfortable with yourself. Set up circumstances where you're sort of in control of things, but you're slightly less in control than the time before until eventually you can enjoy being out of control in bed, right? To the degree that you're comfortable and consenting with. Maybe a kind of self-inflicted exposure therapy, right? But <clears throat> so long as you resist them, as long as you deny these things, and again, you don't have to do them, just write them down, right? Write them down and then practice saying them out loud to yourself because that's the next step is like accepting that you actually like these things. So practice saying them out loud to yourself, not like an affirmation, like not in every day and every way I'm getting better, but like just practice talking about these things out loud because it will be strange. If these are genuinely moments of emotional vulnerability, it'll feel odd to hear yourself talking about how you've always wanted to just fucking destroy somebody, 
out loud for the first time. It'll be confronting. So don't do it with anybody else. Just do it by yourself in the privacy of your own room. Talk about these things out loud and accept that these are a part of you. And then try to think about what they do for you. And then actually think about what they do for you. Right? What, what does it trying to get you? What is it for? That'll be a tricky question and it might be one you have to think about. The next step is sharing the written form with somebody else that you trust under the right circumstances. So this is a kind of like mutual bonding exercise. Someone writes a few things down that are a bit controversial for them and you kind of swap them. And as long as you trust and accept them to the same degree as you probably always have, then you can reflect that same thing in that trust and acceptance of yourself, right? Like, I know plenty of guys out there that are totally okay with basically everything in bed, right? They're like, that girl's into rape fantasies, doesn't bother me. I mean, I'm not into rape fantasies, but I respect that she is, right? I don't see a lot of prejudice from guys. I really don't. I think it's like this whole racism thing. It's like racism is everywhere. It's like, nope, it's just not. You're all just insane. But it's like, I don't see a lot of prejudice from guys going, oh my God, you want to have sex with two guys at once? Like, that's just fucking wrong. Don't see it. In fact, I can't recall off the top of my head any conversation in which that's ever happened. Now, there's a couple of things that are a bit edgy and controversial, and I can understand that. Recently, I was talking um, to someone at a party, and we were talking about blood. And, you know, her, her, one of her big fantasies, not her biggest fantasy, is to, like, drain a very large proportion of someone's blood out of their body, right? And she's like, this is such a controversial thing, I can't believe I'm telling you this. And I said, that's totally fine. I think it's really hot, you know? I'm, I'm not kind of into that, you know? And, and I get it. But for her, it was this huge, like, unearthing of this buried treasure. And it's like, that's what it means to be honest about this with yourself. So help other people to connect with you by helping them to be honest with you about the things that you like. And, and encourage them and be as accepting as you possibly can. Really, really push hard on this stuff. To not judge other people for the things they like. Right? And then begin to share that with maybe more people. People that you trust, people that you can be fairly confident will respond in a positive way. Right? And then the goal is to accept yourself. Accept the things that you want and allow people to give these things back to you. Like, I know this seems really basic and I know it's hard to do. But the first couple of steps you can always do by yourself. And that will get you 80% of the way, honestly. The self-acceptance stuff... You don't require anyone else's involvement for that until the very last steps of it when you actually want to articulate that to somebody else and when you want to do it with someone if it's something that requires another person's active involvement. Right? You can get 80% of the way there by accepting yourself. Unapologetic is the word that you're looking for. Right? You are a sexual being. And as much as society and feminism and all the bullshit of cultural Marxism tries to suppress everything good, beautiful, true and natural you are still a man the things that you want are valid just because you want them now this is the difference between behavior and intention right sometimes a behavior is totally dysfunctional and it would be illegal oh no breaking the law or just really really immoral to act it out in real life right 
but look at what it's trying to do for you. And maybe there's a better way to actually get that, that desire met. Who knows? That, that's a rhetorical question. There is, of course, a million ways to satisfy every desire. So maybe there's a better way that works for you, right? So examine yourself. Go inside, confront, and then accept the things that you like and want. And that will give you the grounding, the foundation for you to be able to go to a munch like a real fucking person, right? None of this online only shit. Go to a meetup, meet people, connect with them, talk about these things. And don't just be fucking blasé about this shit. You know, there's a sacredness to this, right? If you're sharing something that's genuinely something that you're vulnerable about. Okay, so there was a great, great munch that I went to recently. There's this girl there. Oh, this girl. Amazing girl. Just amazing. You know, sometimes when you meet somebody and you're just like this. For me, sometimes people just glow, right? And I'm just, I'm very attracted to that. So we sat down and we started talking about things. And she did the usual, you know, so what are you into? And I said, well, I'm into this. And, and it was like, like those comics where you, that person's head just kind of snaps around and they're laser focused on you. And she's like, really? I'm really into this. And then she starts... I think one of the things that attracted me to was the level of self-awareness that she had. But she starts talking about all these things that she's into. And I can see that she's starting with the gentle stuff. She's like, I'm really into rope. And I'm like, I'm really into rope too. I'm accepting that. And that's true, right? And then she starts talking about, you know, other things, more intense things. And it's like this progressive... And it only took about 30 seconds to go from that to some stuff that was really, really intense that I'm also into, right? And it was fantastic. It was like we bonded tremendously in in the space of a minute because her honesty and my acceptance of her facilitated that connection. And that's what I want you to have. I want you to be able to go to a munch and sit down and talk to someone and not be like, oh yeah, so by the way, I'm into double anal. No big deal. You know, I want you to be able to talk about the things that matter to you in a way that respects the fact that they matter to you, right? It's like fucking flag, right? The, the big takeaway from that book, the forked tongue, the big takeaway, you have to mean it. So many people in kink, they don't mean it. They're like, oh, I'm really into rope. I'm like, holy shit, just hearing you say it in that way makes me never want to tie someone again, right? Try like this. I'm really into rope. I'm really into it. I love the connection. I love the intimacy. I love the, the torque. I love the tension. I love the passion. I love the creativity. I love the look of it. I like rope. I like what it does for me. I like what I can do with it. I like that I can use it to hurt people or make them come so hard they can't even breathe right. You know, I am into that. Don't, don't just fucking dismiss the things that you like. It's just... It's so disrespectful to yourself, not anybody else. It's just disrespectful to yourself to devalue the things that you value like that. To just be like, and and I get it, man. I I fucking get it, right? It's a defense mechanism. You're like, oh, I'll just kind of casually toss this out there. And that way, if I, uh, you know, if someone doesn't like it, I can say, oh, I was just being ironic. (laughs) You know, shouldn't take that seriously. You know, it's like, nah, man, be honest. Own that shit. Your de- what that stems from, that desire to be really blasé about it, is the fact that, I mean, either they've achieved guru-like levels of acceptance of self, or 
they're still afraid that they'll be judged for it. And so it becomes this, I will just kind of hide behind this feeling and I will not tell anyone about this feeling and I will just kind of, you know, pretend like it's sort of something I'm into but not really, right? And then I will see how they respond, right? I used to do this all the time. I'm, I'm a human being, right? And I would say, I'm really into like, you know, um, you know, uh, hypnosis and stuff. And they'd be like, wow, that's really interesting. I'd love to do that sometime. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, really? And it just, it was, you know, it was like, I was waiting for them to give me permission to be passionate about the things that I liked. And I'm sure that as I say that out loud, you can all realize <coughs> just how fucking retarded that is, right? Like I'm waiting for a total stranger to give me permission to be passionate about the things that I'm like. That's reasonable, but it's not something that you have to wait for, you know? You don't need my permission to like the things that you like. Fuck, you don't need anyone's permission to like the things that you like. You might need their permission to do it with them, but that's the difference between behavior and intention. The behavior is the doing of the thing. The intention is what it's supposed to get you, right? The intention is okay. The intention is always positive at its very core. And as long as you, as long as you don't do any of these things that are so monstrous or bad, and I don't like to use the term bad because it ascribes a moral judgment to something that is natural, right? Everything within the universe is natural because it's part of the universe. So nothing in the universe can be outside of the universe. It is everything by its very definition. So everything that happens in nature is natural because it can't be outside of nature, right? So there's nothing unnatural about wanting these things because the mere fact that you want them makes them a part of nature, which is natural. And everything within nature is natural. It might not be super great for you, right? But, or it might not be super great for somebody else, but it is natural, which doesn't necessarily make it good and it doesn't necessarily make it bad, right? But the most important takeaway is you've got to stop judging yourself and you start small at the center, right? You write down the things that you like and you don't hate yourself just for liking them. And then you start talking about them out loud to yourself, not in the mirror, just to yourself. You don't want to involve that element of self-reflection just yet because that's the next step. You can talk about them in front of the mirror if you want. You can see yourself talking about these things. That will be quite confronting. That can actually be much more confronting, which is why I advocate the use of mirrors in submissive and slave training so often. Uh, that can be much more confronting than having that conversation with somebody else. And then you work up to that point where you can say these things comfortably out loud and accept that you're okay with them. And then you begin to share the gentler, kinder, more socially acceptable ones with people that you trust who are going to approve of you. And then they share some of theirs back and you share some of the slightly more controversial things that you're into. And you connect and you bond, but it begins with self-acceptance. You must, you must accept yourself just the way you are. And then you gain the power to transform that into something that is functional, something that is good for you rather than what it might be, which might not necessarily be something that's good for you, you know? You know, raping and eating people is not a good idea, right? What is that about? Well, maybe it's about control. Maybe it's about wanting to feel loved. Maybe it's about not wanting to be abandoned. Who knows? But you will never find that out until you accept it. You don't have to act that out. And honestly, there are a lot of things that I want to do that would be really fucking dumb to do in real life. But I can talk about it. 
I can create that fantasy with hypnosis in someone's head. I can have that happen and I can enjoy that. Not as a censored or uh, diminished version of that other fantasy, but as a realistic way of satisfying that desire. Right? Accept the things you want. Begin there. Follow the process. Right? Probably have to have someone type the notes up from this at some point so I can put a handout out. But, you know, you guys are getting it, right? You guys are getting it now. Accept yourself. Learn to share these things with people that you trust. People who will accept you because they feel not necessarily the same way about the same things, but they also feel a little, you know, judged by society. Share that with them in a safe way, only as much as you feel comfortable with. Learn to accept yourself and the things you want. And then, then tell the partners that you care about. Tell the partners that you care about that you're really into hypnosis or you're really into control or you're really into rope or you're really into whatever you're really into. Start small. Let them have the opportunity to show you that they deserve you. Let them have the opportunity to accept you. And this is the thing. There's a difference here, another distinction that's important, is they can accept that you're really into dressing up like a housemate and putting yourself in a chastity cage and suspenders and without necessarily being into that themselves. Have the intelligence to, to separate those two things out. You might want someone to do those things with you, but you'll never find them if you don't have the ability to accept those things within yourself and then talk about them with people, right? But recognize... The distinction between people accepting things the way you are and actually wanting to do those things with you. I had a very interesting conversation with someone recently about that exact thing because there are things that I wanted to do with them that they weren't into. They accepted me and they didn't judge me. And honestly, that felt amazing. Just, just being accepted, you know, knowing that I would never do those things with that person, but that's okay, you know? Just being accepted is often enough. Extend that to other people. Do it genuinely and don't do it for them so that they'll do something back to you. Just do it because you genuinely do accept them the way they are. You have to mean it. Praise be the flag. Right? And once you've learned that you can do that, once you've learned that you can share those things with people, and if you want, get in touch with me again. I'm sure there's something I could bang out in hypnosis, some sort of recording that would help people with this. You know? So if anyone's interested, send me a message and I'll, I'll sit down and take some time over Christmas to do that. But Accept yourself and then accept that people who care about you in a kink or a DS or a relationship or just an ordinary vanilla sex thing they're gonna to wanna to do stuff for you because they're good people, right? If they are good people, they wanna, they're going to wanna to give something back to you that's meaningful to you in the same way that all the things that you've been giving to them are meaningful to them. So let them, have the courage to let them, say yes. And if you ever say no, explain why so that they don't have to sit there torturing themselves trying to figure out what your thought process is, right? No, I don't want a cup of chai right now because I just don't want one. Might be a simple enough answer, but no, I don't want to spend three days um, in a mountain cabin with you because I'm worried about bear attacks, right? Because if you don't say that, they'll think, oh, if he doesn't want to spend time alone with me, I must be a terrible submissive 
doom. You know, if it's a big no, tell them why. That really helps them to understand. It helps them not to stress and not to worry. It helps them to feel more reassured and comfortable in themselves. It helps them not to get into these fucking death spirals. I've got to put something out about that, but these death spirals are feeling like they're not enough, like they're worthless, like their contributions don't matter. It's the worst thing you can possibly do as a dominant to hurt a submissive is not let them give something back in a way that they're capable of giving to the extent that they're capable of giving it and in a way that's meaningful to you and ideally to them as well. Right? So work on the prerequisites to that because it's a big fucking problem and it will kill. Unfortunately, it will kill only good relationships. The only relationships that make it through that filter are the ones where they're not giving anything to you anyway. And they're quite happy with not giving anything to you anyway. And they're quite comfortable being totally selfish. And those are the only relationships that survive you never letting them do anything nice for you. No matter how small it is, you have to let them. And it has to be meaningful to you. I'm gonna keep ranting on this shit, but it's so important because it will fucking ruin good relationships, stone dead. It will just drop them like a rock. And everything's going great and things are going well and everything's getting along just the way it should. And all of a sudden, boom, they disappear because for six months they've been trying to give things back to you and you haven't let them make a meaningful contribution to either your life or to the relationship. Maybe it's out of fear on your, heart, on your behalf. Maybe it's out of a desire to be transactional and to constantly maintain a higher balance of contribution to the relationship, not just a little bit higher than theirs, which is healthy and normal, but like a hundred times higher than theirs. You know, they've given one cent and you've given a hundred dollars. You've got to let them have a reasonable amount of contribution of meaning to the relationship, or they're just going to leave and take their gifts, their talents, their skills, and their life experience somewhere the fuck else where they will be appreciated, not appreciated in the sense that you aren't doing enough for them, Appreciate it in the sense that they're allowed to do something for the relationship and for you. You know, the Bible talks about this. It says, do not light a candle and hide it under the bed. Put it on a windowsill so that both you can read by the light of it and that passers-by can have the way lit for them. That's how I think about slave girls, right? Don't wind one up, build something amazing, and then stick her in a fucking cardboard box and put her in the closet. You don't do that shit, man. You make her amazing and then you put her on display. You take her out to an event so that she can be seen to be beautiful. She can be seen to be contributive. She can be seen to be skilled and talented. Why, why the fuck wouldn't you? Insecurity, jealousy, fear of loss, the desire to keep something to yourself. There's, there's a whole bunch of perfectly valid reasons, man. I've been there. I hear you. I know it, man. I know it. Insecurity, fear, the, the concern that someone else will come along and scoop up, you know, all the hard work that you've done and just reap all of the benefits of that. That can be a problem in poly relationships, you know? It can be a problem in mono relationships. I've had a problem in my life where I've, I've helped people to move from where they are to very much closer to where they want to be. And about halfway there, they just drop out of the 
system and they go and do their own thing. You know? But that's not really related to this. That's mostly related to the fact that I wasn't letting them give back. It's very, 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 very unsatisfying for a woman to be in a relationship where she feels like she isn't contributing anything meaningful. And they'll try at the start, you know, they'll have a, sh a good stab at it, but the problem there is, like any kind of human doing any kind of behavior, if it's not rewarded or reinforced and it requires a lot of energy and it's, it's painful to quote unquote fail at it, <coughs> then eventually it will kind of trend down to less and less often and eventually to nothing, right? Like if, if perfect example, if a guy buys his wife flowers every single day, the same flowers to control all the variables at the same time, and he gives them to her every single day, and she never says a word about it, right? Eventually, he will stop buying her flowers. It might take him years, it might take him decades, but if she responds negatively every single time with perfect consistency, eventually he will stop doing it because it requires energy, time, and an expenditure of resources, and it's painful when he feels like he's failed. That's how a submissive feels when there isn't anything they can do to make you happy. That's how a submissive feels when you don't give them the chance to contribute something meaningful to your life. So whether they want to or not is kind of irrelevant, right? They'll tell you that. You have to set up as the dominant the prerequisites. You have to make it safe for them to do it. You have to be able to articulate your own needs and desires unapologetically without shame and also be able to separate the difference between someone accepting you and someone also really wanting to do that particular thing, right? There's a, there is a difference. Someone can accept you just the way you are and not be really into your latex fetish. Like, I mean, latex is pretty, but I mean, I, don't, I just don't get it, man. I don't, you know, it's not my deal. But I respect people that are really into it because of the courage that it takes to wear something like that, especially in public. I have a lot of respect for people that do that. I accept them just the way they are. I'm just not turned on by it. Well, I'm, I'm a little turned on by it, but, you know. So I guess that's the point that I'm trying to make. You know, you set up the prerequisites for all of this. Make sure that you're doing the groundwork thoroughly as a dominant. Accept yourself. Be okay with these things and accept that also you might tell someone that you love about a particular thing you're into and they might hate it and that's on them because you've done everything you possibly can, right? You've done everything you could have done to make sure that it works out okay. And as long as you know that you've done everything you could reasonably have been expected to do in that moment to the best of your ability, then you have nothing to feel guilty about. You have nothing to feel ashamed of. Wanting these things is not the same thing as doing them. Just, you know, wanting to kill somebody is not the same thing as actually killing them, right? You shouldn't feel as guilty about wanting to kill someone or wanting to hurt someone or wanting to rape someone or wanting to, you know, abduct someone in the middle of the night, take them to a hotel room and have three guys that you know really well bang the fuck out of them. You shouldn't feel guilty about that stuff, right? There's nothing that you should feel ashamed of inside your own head. Now, some things you should feel a bit bad about acting out in public or doing, but that's up to you, you know. That's your decision to make that, whether that you make that happen in real life or whether it stays inside your head. But you must, you must accept these parts of yourself because until you do,
you will never be able to change them into something positive that works for you rather than something negative that diminishes you, takes away from your life. And something that reduces the amount of options and you have, the amount of connections you have, the amount of freedom that you have, the amount of intimacy, all the good shit in life, right? <coughs> it will stay bad until you accept it. You don't have to accept the behavior. No, and that's the critical part. You don't have to accept the behavior, right? You have to accept the intention. Let's use an example. Let's say that you're very territorial in a relationship and you don't like the people that you're sleeping with, usually one person at a time, um, sleeping with other people, right? Now, you don't have to accept the behavior. You're like, we're in a poly relationship, she's free to sleep with other people, provided she meets these conditions and I follow these rules and we've got a really strong bond and I know that she puts me first and I put her first and we're good, right? We've got a good thing going. You don't have to accept the behavior but you can accept the intention. What's that trying to do for you? You have to accept the intention before you can change it. Well, it's trying to protect me from harm. I'm worried that somebody else might come along and you know, steal this girl that means the world to me. Right? I'm worried that I might lose her to somebody, quote unquote, better. You know, usually a version of me with more money. But that's the thing, is you have to accept what that's trying to do for you before you can change it into something positive. Right? So don't judge yourself, just accept yourself the way you are. Accept the intention, even if you disregard the behavior. And all the other times in this episode that I've said, accept, you know, accept it, then change it, add that, add that bit to the end. You want to accept the intention of it. What is it trying to do for you? A good thing. It's trying to protect you. It's only ever a good thing. Right? It just goes about it the wrong way. Your unconscious mind doesn't know the best way to do that, so it tries different strategies, and some of them are more effective than others. Right? This is particularly tragic for me. I see this all the time. I see women who are overweight, and they're overweight because of no fault of their own. They stay overweight because they don't seek out the right help, um, but they get overweight because they get left out. They get excluded in high school or primary school by other girls who are jealous. And it's, it's just like being struck by lightning. There's no, there's no random, there's no rhyme to it. There's no reason. It's just totally random, right? You know, one day someone gets picked on and it becomes a big enough problem for them. And they decide that they're going to check themselves out of the game. And so they start eating. Because if they're not pretty, they won't be criticized by people criticized by other girls for not being pretty enough or not being the right kind of pretty or being ignored by guys. You know, if they're not playing the game, they can't lose, right? And this is unfortunately very common, especially in women, probably also in men, although I haven't paid as much attention to that side of things. But they start like that. And it's like their unconscious mind says, this is painful. Not being with a partner is painful. Not being appreciated for how I look is painful, so I will solve this problem for you. I will make you so fat that no one will ever look at you and think I'm attracted to that ever again, right? No healthy guy ever would. And all of a sudden, that pain goes away. That pain of rejection disappears. But there's a better way to do that. The better way is to accept yourself just the way you are and be happy within yourself because you deserve that. Fuck, it sounds like some sort of bullshit therapy cope mechanism. I genuinely believe that. You know? 
I really, honest to God, do. You deserve to look in the mirror and feel proud of what you see. Anyway, so those are some thoughts that I had on a relationship of mine that ended recently. Learn from the things that I've done and try to avoid making the same mistakes yourself. Understand that there's a probably a pretty good chance that you will make this mistake at least once or twice. And that's okay. You know, sometimes people need to suffer before there's enough motivation to change. I know that's true for me too. If you ever want to talk about any of this stuff or if there's any questions that you want to ask me, um, go to the website at mindkink.net. There's a contact page there with an email address. Just shoot me, a, shoot me an email. And I do reply to all of them eventually. I've been getting a lot more lately. So uh, I apologize for the slow replies. I will get to all of them eventually. But yeah, I mean, I hope that's been useful to you guys. Mostly it was just cathartic for me to get all these things out. And it's, it does some good to realize that you're not alone in this, right? You will make this mistake. That's okay. It's not the end of the world. And here's how you fix it. Accept yourself. Write down the things that you like. Become comfortable sharing them with people that you trust. And then share them with people that you want to connect with, that you are connecting with, that you have connected with, and do those things together if they're good and healthy. Right? Enjoy that. Have an amazing relationship. Have several amazing relationships. Life is for the living. 